to Check Your Beer, a podcast about quality control in your brewery. We're your hosts, Amy Todd, owner of Zymology Labs, and Julie Smith, lab manager at Lawson's Finest Liquids. Okay, welcome to Check Your Beer, where Julie and I discuss quality control in the brewery. Um, today we're going to be talking about the basics of what a quality program actually entails, what quality means, uh, or at least the definitions that we like to use, um, some different categories of a quality program, and what types of things a quality program can help you do, and some things that you need to think about before actually starting your program, and finally some hurdles that you're likely to face. So I guess kind of first, what is quality? Um, you know, there's tons of different definitions about what quality is, what quality means, um, you know, what's a quality beer or what's not. Um, but the definition that I like to use, especially in terms of craft beer, is if you're consistently meeting your customers' needs and expectations or not. So if you can't meet their needs, um, and if you can't do that on a consistent basis, then they're not going to keep buying your beers, and they're not going to be your customers. So that's kind of how I like to think of quality. What about you, Julie? Do you have any other things you want to add to that? No, I totally agree. Um, just making sure that batch to batch, your customers aren't telling a huge difference in taste or aroma and that everything has been consistent across your brand profile um, and that you're keeping your customers happy with the level of product that you're putting out. Yeah, and that's kind of, you know, people, especially in the craft beer scene, always... Uh, you know, don't always think of Budweiser too favorably, but, you know, when you think about quality, is that a quality beer or not? And, you know, the, the fact that they are consistently, very, very consistently making that beer between breweries, the exact same thing, you know, every time you know exactly what to expect uh, is pretty impressive. And there are millions of their customers who would agree with that. So they're, they're meeting the needs and expectations of their customers. And, you know, uh, if you're not a, a drinker of Budweiser, I guess it doesn't really matter if they're not meeting your needs and expectations because you're not their customer. So, you know, I guess that, uh, that all kind of fits there. Um, so some of the, we kind of touched, um, in our first episode on some benefits to having a quality program, you can make smarter choices, reduce waste. Uh, a really big thing to me is just being proactive instead of reactive, being on top of, of any anything that might come up, anything out of spec. The sooner you, you notice any kind of deviation, the quicker you can step in and make any changes that, that you might need. Um, you know, just process improvements, product improvements, um, you know, it's great to kind of have that continuous improvement mindset and always be looking for things that you can improve. Yeah, I can do some R&D, you know, try out some new things, maybe a different way to dry hop or, you know, whatever it may be. Tighten your specs, improve your consistency. All right, do you want to um, go over some of the categories? Yes. All right. So... Some general categories that are helpful uh, when thinking about starting your quality program are going to be looking at 
any um, possible contamination risks through a strong micro program uh, in your brewery. And that can be anything you're testing for in the beer that could be an issue down the line in the final package that could cause a, a taste change. Um, it ranges from testing wort using different types of media, pre-made or making it in-house. Um, HLP is a really good media for breweries starting out with a micro program because you don't need to autoclave that media and it detects specifically for beer spoilers. Um, so I think that one is super helpful. Um, PCR testing is more expensive, but it is super helpful if you're having issues and you're trying to identify what exact contaminant you're testing for. Um, along with a micro-program, you would be performing yeast cell counts and testing your yeast viability, making sure that you're hitting those target pitch rates um, and that your yeast is healthy 24 hours in the fermentation. And all you really need for that is a microscope and a hemocytometer that gives you a little grid to count cells on. From there, the next category I would go to would be the chemistry side of things, where you're testing the analytical side of your beer. So you're measuring your alcohol by volume to stay within that plus or minus 0.3 TTB spec. You can be looking at your the color of your beer um, using a spectrophotometer. You can be looking at the haze quality of your beer using a turbidimeter and seeing how that changes over time with different centrifuge speeds or whatever you're using for transferring. Um, IBUs go along with color. You need a spectrophotometer for those, and it's a good way to track how your hops are being utilized in the boil, um, and finally pH, which is a pretty simple thing that a lot of breweries are already working with. They're just good checks to ensure that you're hitting target parameters as you're going through the brewing process, um, and you can adjust different parameters of your process if you're finding yourself out of spec a little bit. Sensory is another super helpful one. It can help you identify off flavors, aid in troubleshooting any problems that you're having in the brewery, and make sure you're producing beers that are true to brand and that your customers are going to be able to drink that beer and, and say that it tastes the same every time. Um, finally, packaging. You've got your beers out to the consumer. Once the beer leaves the brewery, it's out of your control. So the packaging line, whether it's cans, bottles, or kegs, is your last line fence. You're gonna be wanna you're gonna wanna check for dissolved oxygen levels, making sure those are nice and low. Um, you can get like a little paint shaker thing to shake the bottles or cans up for about five minutes to test um, the headspace oxygen as well. CO2 testing to make sure you're hitting carbonation specs that it's not super under, super over. Um, date coding and packaging integrity, just making sure that your packaging is meeting quality standards and that customers know when that beer is packaged or when they need to drink it by. Um, basically, you're just looking to have as much consistency in your brewing and packaging process as possible.
Yeah, and I think even just, um, you know, like the CO2 testing, uh, I feel like that different CO2 levels can make a big difference on like the mouthfeel of a beer too, you know, and it, it's something that you might not like automatically recognize as like a difference in CO2, you know, so if you're, you have really varying levels of CO2, um, you know, to a customer, you know, they might be like, oh, there's something, you know, different about this beer, can't really figure out what it is, you know, and it, you know, I think the CO2 tester from Zom is like $1,500, you know, it's really not that expensive and something everyone should, should be able to test for pretty easily and, and, you know, have a spec and, and make sure you stick to that spec too. So, you know, maybe right. it's like two and a half to 2.65 volumes or something and, yeah, you get an over-carbonated stout and people are going to think that that's a flavor defect over a carbonation defect because right. it's going to change the mouthfeel and the flavor and the presentation of the beer so much. So making sure that that's dialed in is huge. Mm -hmm. And with the sensory too, um, you know, you as the brewer are deciding what the beer is supposed to taste like too. So you know, that true to brand kind of thing. If your stout is supposed to be roasty and, you know, somebody's, it's not one batch, you know, for some reason doesn't come across as very roasty or something, you know, so it might still taste perfectly fine for somebody who's, you know, they're having it for the first time, but, you know, maybe it doesn't have that characteristic roastiness that some of your other customers that's what they come for you know that's what they're expecting you know and it's those loyal customers that are coming back time and time again that you really want to make happy right so some things to think about when you are first starting out a quality program you know if you kind of go i like to think about the you know who what when where why of starting a quality program just to give you a solid foundation so first of all start with with your why um having a really really something that resonates with you you know not just like oh i just have a lab because that's what you're supposed to do but i don't really think that i need one for whatever reason um so you know just really think about it and come up with a, a good why you know why do you want to have a quality program in the first place and it might be fun you know maybe you have an issue that you want to address you know i'm hear about plenty of breweries who start a quality program because they had to recall a bunch of beer for exploding cans or whatever it may be you know that's that's a reason to to start a quality program ideally you would start one before you get to that point but you know um you know that's that's cool um, but you know, maybe you are just, um, concerned with off flavors and, you know, you really want to make sure that you're avoiding off flavors or maybe you want to improve your efficiency or consistency, or, you know, maybe you've just gotten to a certain size or a certain point where, you know, you're, you've been starting up your brewery and now you have a really good handle on your process and your recipes. And so now you want to make sure that you are continuing to, to produce those those beers on a regular basis or you could be entering new markets too so maybe your beer is going to be out on shelves longer and 
Um, so you're a little more concerned with packaging and dissolved oxygen and things like that if it's going to be sitting around um, longer and you, you maybe don't have um, easy access to it too if it's, if it's in another state. So, you know, maybe you just want to have better peace of mind that that beer is going to be lasting find a reason you know that that's right for you you know just like every brewery is different every brewery is going to have a different quality program and everyone's going to have a different reason for for starting one next you're going to want to kind of think about who is going to be running your lab so um, is it just going to be you uh, do you have a brewer who's going to be doing it will you need to hire somebody somebody to do specifically quality Maybe have a part-time person or maybe somebody who's brewing part-time, doing the lab part-time. Um, you know, if you only need a few hours a week, maybe it's something that you're going to outsource when you start out. Maybe, you know, you could work with another brewery too. Um, two breweries who maybe don't have enough work for a full-time lab. They can kind of work together on some of these things. Maybe help out with some equipment costs in that sense too. And just don't forget um, about time commitments and associated labor costs too. You know, if if you are, you know, the sole owner and brewer of a nano brewery, you know, just kind of thinking about, you know, how much time do you realistically have to start adding adding some of these tests. Also related kind of tangenty, but um, you know, just some of these things too, it's good to just start out doing from the beginning too so you know if you're just starting a brewery now or you know even if you're just maybe you're in starting that growth phase but you know if you have some of these quality checks built in from the start it's going to be so much easier to just keep going with that instead of you know if you get really big you get to a point where like oh, okay now we like have to have a, a lab and then you kind of have to stop and go back and do all this stuff whereas you know, if you're just doing it from the start and you already have that built into your process and built into, you know, the the mindset that quality is number one, um, it's going to be a lot easier to transition to that. So moving on to what? So this is kind of a two-parter. Um, what's going to be in your lab? What are you testing for? But also what's your budget? Um, and ultimately your budget is going to determine what's in your lab. So you're going to want to have an initial budget, a yearly budget for new equipment, and then also a monthly budget for consumable lab supplies and chemicals. So when you're kind of thinking about what kind of tests you want to have, just keep in mind that, you know, quite a few of them do have consumable costs. So um, like doing media, HLP, you can buy reusable HLP tubes. Um, you would need an autoclave though to sterilize those, or you can be buying um, sterile um, centrifuge tubes, 15 mil centrifuge tubes. Um, but those you're going to have to keep buying on a routine basis. Same with the HLP media, you'll have to keep buying that. So some things are going to have, you know, some initial costs, um, and then most things will have some monthly costs. Um, and then when you're thinking about what you're going to have, don't forget, again, labor costs, you know, so, you know, it takes time to, to make all your HLP tubes and to, then to actually collect the samples and, and run that. And so, you know, those are some, some things to keep in mind, you know, again, if it's just you, what uh, can you realistically be testing for? And do you need to bring someone in that's going to kind of, you know, go back to your budget too? Are you able to, to hire somebody 
Are you going to hire somebody full-time, part-time? Of course, I'm going to keep talking about outsourcing lab lab tests, but, um, you know, it, it, it makes sense sometimes, you know, if, you know, instead of if you're not ready to buy a spectrophotometer, you know, $30, $40 added to the, the batch of the cost of a batch of beer um, might make a lot more sense at this, this stage in your brewery. So then when, when are you going to start your lab? Uh, I would say to start a quality program right away. I kind of mentioned this before, but it's a lot easier to kind of slowly add tasks as you grow than to play catch up. Um, you know, if you start growing too fast, even something small, like starting with cell counts, uh, is way better than, you know, not really doing anything. And, uh, you know, there's plenty of things that you probably are already doing that you might kind of not be realizing, um, you know, just like the daily gravity checks and, and pH readings and, and stuff like that. Keep adding some things here and there. Um, you don't want to, you know, put quality on the back burner and never get to it. So, you know, start planning for your future too. Um, when are you going to, you know, start testing IBUs or DO? You know, maybe that's not something that you're, you're doing yet, but, you know, once you get to, you know, 5,000 barrels, then you want to, you plan to get a spectrophotometer and start testing for color and IBUs or, you know, once you put in a new canning line, that's when you're going to get your DO meter and start testing for DOs. And then, you know, kind of think about um, when are you going to have a separate lab space too. So, you know, just as you most likely uh, started a business plan when you started your brewery, you know, and have some future growth in there and, you know, business plans are, are supposed to be living documents that kind of change as you grow. And so, just, you know, keep thinking about your quality program and lab space too. So, you know, if you are planning, once you get to a certain size, you know, you'll have to go through an expansion or something. Think about lab space too, you know, so maybe once you're at 10, 15,000 barrels, you're ready to, to have a separate dedicated lab space. Um, another thing, you know, related to the when is when are you going to have time to work in the lab? So again, this is, you know, if it's just you, um, brewing and, and going to be doing the lab work too, how much time do you have to spare during the day? You know, do you have, can you find an hour to, to start doing stuff or, you know, and it's okay to start small, totally fine to take baby steps and, you know, do what you can. And then, um, you know, you can do it yourself until you can't anymore, until you, you need to hire somebody. Think about that when you're going to be starting, when you're going to have time to work on it, and then future plans for growth. And then where, where's your lab going to be? Uh, I kind of mentioned, you know, building out some space, but you know, when you're just starting out, you really don't need a lot of space. A countertop will be fine. Ideally somewhere that's close to a sink. Sinks come in handy. Maybe another just space for your gravity readings, pH, um, and cell counting. Uh, I know of one brewer who said he used to keep um, a microscope on a tray in a closet, and then when it was time to do cell counts, he would just take out his tray that had everything he needed for cell counts. He'd go out into the tap room, do his counts, um, and then put everything back when he was done. So, you know, you, you can get creative. Don't let space be an excuse to not start a lab. You don't need a lot of space. Um, and then just, you know, as, as your brewery grows and as your quality program goes grows, just keep that in mind and, and kind of build out with that as you go. And if you are 
planning a building out some lab space don't forget that you're going to need um, space for your employees to actually work you know have uh, desks and computer stations um, sink two sinks is better than one um, you might need some hoods um, you know so you might want to have uh, an exhaust system you know somewhere you know if it's like the middle of a building might be hard to to set that up they do have ductless um, fume hoods too that you can always look into um, you're gonna want eyewash stations lots and lots of outlets um, and just uh, keep in mind the bigger you get the bigger um, the lab you'll need I don't think I've ever worked in a lab where there was too much space you know labs usually fill up quite quickly so you, you probably need more space than you think that you need. Should we go under the hurdles? Yeah, sure. All right, so in all of the planning for building a lab and planning your quality program, there are going to be a lot of hurdles to that. None of them are insurmountable. Um, time and money are kind of one and the same because if you personally don't have time to be working in the lab, you're going to need to figure out um, – you can pay and how often you can pay them to work in the lab um, and like Amy was talking about the equipment is expensive there's there's a way to break it down for cost per test but investing in some of the larger equipment like a DO meter um, CO2 testing alkalizer or a spectrophotometer those add up really quickly and are probably some of the biggest hurdles to getting started on the the more fine-tuning parts of the quality program. But again, starting out, if you're just doing cell counts, that's better than nothing. pH measurements, gravity checks, all of those things are well within the realm of a typical small brewery budget. Another hurdle that a lot of us have experienced is just getting pushback from um, management or other employees in your brewery. Like everything is fine. Why do we need a quality program? We haven't we haven't messed up a batch of beer. We haven't seen or heard of any complaints out in the world. Well, it only takes one bad batch or one off flavor that somebody picks up or one instance where you're going to lose a lot of customers and being proactive instead of reactive is really going to help mitigate that risk um, and it's a lot easier to find something when you're looking for it rather than when it gets out to your tap room or out in the shelves in the in stores and whatnot um, we had a batch of beer that we were able to give more time to because we were running diacetyl checks on it and instead of crashing it, we uh, heated it up and all did a sensory panel on it and we all detected diacetyl so we didn't crash it and we let it sit for another three or four days until everyone passed it for sensory as true to brand and if we had put that beer out into the world I think we would have lost a lot of loyal customers and had to deal with a lot of complaints and pushing the schedule back a week was nothing compared to doing that. Another hurdle is just the experience. Um, finding somebody who can come in and do all of these tests is getting to be a more commonplace thing, but then you also have to have the budget to pay them. 
Um, luckily, there are a lot of resources if you're a small brewery and it's just you doing the brewing and doing the lab work. Um, the ASBC has a full book of methods of analysis that really gets you up off the ground and running on doing all the tests you need to make sure your beer is going to be consistent in quality every time. It, um, the ASBC also has a lot of really good webinars too. On, Ooh, that's on like starting up a lab they have a they have like four or five on like sensory panel stuff too like just how to like pick yeah. a panel and like validating and stuff like that i think um membership asbc is like 125 dollars or maybe 195 whatever it is it's it's well worth it um and also we you know we both mentioned um microscopes and cell counting and you know you can get everything you need for cell counting for like under $500. Like you can find microscopes on Amazon for $300. You know, they're, they're not that expensive. Yeah. I think, um, that kind of covers the, you know, kind of basic initial quality program setup things to, to think about. And, uh, yeah. All right. Next week, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about free things that you can do and some things that you might already be doing. Nice. So, all right. Talk to you guys next time. Thank you for listening to Check Your Beer. Send us an email at checkyourbeer at gmail.com for any questions or episode suggestions. Uh, check out our show notes for what we talk about on each episode. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll catch you next time on Check Your Beer. Thanks for listening.